0: You're at The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub, where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching.
1: Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of The Coaching Inn. I'm Claire Pedrick, and today I'm in conversation with Kevin Hunt. Kevin's a physio who's just released an amazing book called Pain, The Ultimate Mentor which I have as a subtitle in my head, How to Make It Your Friend, but maybe that's not a good subtitle. Kevin, welcome.
0: Thank you, Claire. Good morning. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: So You're so welcome. So tell us a little bit about you and your journey to get to the book writing thing.
0: To get to the book writing thing. Well, I guess to to say a bit about me and my journey. So I'm a physio. I've been 25 years a physio. And I've uh, been fortunate enough to work in many um, sectors of physio. So within the public sector, and the hospital environment, within rehabilitation, um, hospitals for people with multiple traumas. I've worked in industry in terms of dealing with large pharmaceutical companies and their kind of occupational health needs. Ah. Uh, and also then in terms of um, professional sport, as well as my own private practice. And throughout all of those sectors and across all of those sectors, people's understanding of pain and their particularly persistent pain. So this book is really about persistent pain, which is <clears throat> pain that goes beyond three months, ah. uh, that their narratives around pain are fairly consistent across all of those environments. And unfortunately those narratives around that pain isn't always helpful for their recovery, for the rehabilitation. So at one level, I suppose I got slightly Um, bored of answering the same questions again or trying to you know trying to have that dialogue with people and I thought you know what I need to put this down in paper I need to put it in a book and uh, during lockdown that gave me the opportunity to actually go about doing it so the book came about as a result of 25 years of having very similar similar conversations with numerous people across numerous sectors.
1: That's why I wrote mine. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well,
0: it's clearly the thing to do. It's clearly the thing to do. You just got, got. Yeah. You just needed a needed a a very quick answer. Sometimes, you know what? Read the book, then come talk to me.
1: Yeah. So the ultimate mentor. What an interesting subtitle for a book. What got you to the point where you thought that pain was a mentor?
0: So this is the thing about pain. So persistent pain, pain that goes on beyond three months, um, the pain itself is no longer a reliable indicator of tissue pathology. And for most people, their relationship with pain is pain equals damage equals harm. And that's not that's not necessarily the case. So over many, many, many years of working with people across different sectors and, and with very often protracted pain problems I started to realize that actually pain is the solution rather than the problem in and of itself because what you'll see with the um with the book is that actually once you start to understand pain's purpose it's to protect you pain is there to protect you to uh, grab your attention to help you understand that something needs to change Uh, and therefore it's a mentor therefore it's a guide to actually help us Be the best versions of ourselves, or to live a life that is 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 reliable and and sustainable for ourselves. And there's so much information out there in the world about what you should do, what you should aim for, you know, what lifestyle you should be living. And it's very tricky to understand. Well, what is it I should be doing? You know, what's right, what's wrong? Should I be a vegan? Should I be doing yoga? Whatever it is. But the one thing that cuts through all of that is the pain system. The pain system. Steps up when you're living an unsustainable lifestyle. And therefore, that's why I think it's a mentor. It's it's not that it's non negotiable, you can negotiate with pain, but it is trying to grab your attention. So it is the purest form of mentoring, I think. Because if you are doing something that is unsustainable for you in the long run, you need a system to help you understand oh, hang on, I need to maybe make some changes. Therefore, uh, I see pain as a mentor, I see it as a positive thing, as a good thing. As a patient, it's not always easy to understand that. But once people start to get their heads around it, they actually don't fear the pain anymore. They see it as uh, they see it as a mentor. They see it as something that can help them.
1: I Want to just talk a bit more about mentoring? But I'm just thinking about a, a conversation I had with Kath, Dr. Catherine Mannix, who talks about a lot about end of life. She's a doctor.
0: Okay.
1: And and she said that the biggest shift for people who are dying. Is working out how to manage their fear of fear.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I, 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 I can imagine that would be the case in in in, in that environment, but a, but across environments. Yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's a bit of research in the book that talks about very often our fear of what might happen is actually worse than the reality of what will happen. Now, in end of life, I suppose you 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 you, you it's a slightly different subject because there's many studies that have shown that actually our fear of potentially what might go wrong is actually worse than what how you respond when things do go wrong and that fear of the unknown for most people is actually that's the that's the that's the worry but if we can help people understand that actually you know what pain is going to help you avoid the the big unknowns well then that can, be a, that can be a positive thing. So I think it's very much the case when we're dealing with people as physios, healthcare professionals, as people in pain, uh, it is a threat to their well-being. And so they're, they fear this now has an impact on their future selves and they won't be able to do the things that they want to do. And the pain is an indication of that. But very often we're trying to help them understand that no, actually, pain is trying to get a better version of you, a better version of the future for you. So let's actually listen to what pain is trying to tell us.
1: It's interesting because I think that you and Catherine agree on that one. Um, Because I think her thing about fear is about fear of what's going to happen today rather than what's going to happen in the future. Um, Mentoring, my definition of mentoring is I know something you don't know. Fair, yeah. And I'll tell you if it's useful. Yeah. And it feels as though as you're talking, you're you're inviting people to listen to the, I know something you don't know, and I'll tell you if it's useful, that's coming from the pain. And we can choose to go, I don't want to hear that. Or we can yeah, choose absolutely. to go, I'm going to listen to that carefully and yeah, see what absolutely. it has to teach me.
0: Absolutely. And, and um, that, that's very much the case. And And the thing is, because... Each individual is their own unique selves. How does any mentor know what's right for that person, ultimately, you know, as as another human, as another person? But this is where I think the pain system is the thing that will actually be the guide for the individual in and of themselves. Because if they're doing something that is, in essence, self-destructive, that is unsustainable, that is uh, fearful that is actually um, holding them back or they're pushing too hard in a particular direction that isn't isn 't healthy for them. The pain system is a thing that that steps in now we all have opinions and biases as to what someone should do, maybe based on our own experiences or obviously with uh, experience from seeing people across across time. but for that particular individual, how do we know that that is the appropriate information for them? Now, of course, we can nudge, we can guide, we can say, well, here are some options, maybe think about it this way. What happens if we you know, play this out, game this out? But again, of course, it's the pain system that is the one that says, no, together we need to do this. So it's very much about allowing that pain to help you go, OK. And, and the main thing really with that, with persistent pain, as I said, the pain that goes beyond three months, is that actually when the pain flares up, you get a flare up of a persistent pain problem. You can then consider, okay, what is it I'm not quite getting right? And therefore, you can go through that analysis yourself up to a point to be able to go, okay, hang on, what am I not doing that my body needs me to do or my individual self needs me to do? And that's why we have the whole um, template, if you will, of the health hexagon to try and help people understand, okay, there are six components that you need to check in on. And if your pain flares up, let's start to think about them.
1: Great. So there's a partnership thing, working in partnership with your pain. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: It's it's there to guide you. It's a mentor. It's a friend. It's it's the solution rather than than the problem itself. You know, I mean, you know, it's the simple stuff. So people sometimes think from a persistent pain point of view, that means you have to be in pain forever. You know, you have to be, the, the term used to be chronic pain and we're moving away from that phrase chronic pain because the word itself meant different things to different people. So for some people, chronic meant you, it would never end. Uh, For other people, chronic meant it was just this dull ache all the time. Some people chronic meant severe and sharp. You know, it was was a different um, meaning for a lot of people. So we're moving away from the from the terminology or phrase chronic pain because it's, in itself, it's not a, uh, it's not a helpful uh, phrase. It had become associated with there's nothing you can do about this. But yeah. persistent pain, as I said, is pain that goes on for longer than three months. Now, everyone, absolutely everyone with persistent pain has pain-free moments or pain-free periods. And those pain-free moments could be minutes, hours. It could be even months, possibly even years. So the thing about persistent pain, a lot of people out there don't even realize they have a persistent pain problem. They just think they have a regularly uh, something in inverted goals. You know, the classic, they bent down to tie their shoes and their back goals, or they you know, picked up the shopping and the back goals. And they see these as independent, unique events, but they're not really independent, unique events. They're often a pattern and a, a narrative on a theme. So what we try and do is help people see that actually, Does it really make sense that you're that fragile, that damaged, if you will, that you would, you know, damage your back bending down to pick up the shopping when actually you've just been in the gym doing loads of exercise and all that kind of stuff. So why would pain step in there? Why would pain go all of a sudden, some random moment in time, decide I need to give you a back spasm when you do something very routine, very ordinary, very kind of within your capabilities? That's when your pain system is saying, we've got to have a little chat with ourselves and we've got to start <laughs> figure out why my back is decided picking up the shopping as a threat. And that's where you kind of go, okay, all right, maybe, maybe there's a few things going on behind the scenes that my body is in a defense mode what's putting my body into a defense mode and that's again where we 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 break down pain's trying to help you out here it's not convenient it's never convenient for your back to go into spasm but maybe it's the only way your body has of going let's stop and pay attention let's make some changes
1: yeah so it requires you to do some of the work yourself so there's a big coaching element in there kevin
0: there is. I mean, first of all, our job is to help people. Um, yeah, see that you know, see that their pain narrative or their pain conversation isn't exactly reliable because there's so many lazy labels out there. There's so many kind of mythologies out there, and and a lot of them are um, reinforced, unfortunately, by certain um, certain let's say healthcare professionals or, or by just information that's available. You know, in in day to day conversation. So our job is to help people go, okay, does it really make sense this, this narrative you have about that particular um, you know, issue you have going on? But when we help people go and see, okay, can you see the pattern? Can you see your um, impression of this problem? I.e., we'll have a lot of times where people will wake up with a stiff neck and they'll go, I've, uh, oh, I must have slept wrong. I
1: think, well, is that
0: really the case? I mean, how many, how many thousand uh, episodes of experience do you have sleeping? You know, maybe you slept already 20,000 nights. I don't know how many years that would be. (laughs) But maybe you've you've already slept for 10,000 nights, let's say. Could you really just randomly get it wrong? Like, could you really just randomly get that wrong? Uh, And people go, but I woke up with a stiff neck and it wasn't that bad beforehand. If you're waking up with a stiff neck. It's not because you slept wrong. It's because your system is overloaded. And therefore, what have you been doing uh leading up to that and, and it'll be obvious things like people are working too many hours not getting enough exercise not getting enough rest you know there's pressures of stress there's all of those things but you haven't slept wrong but of course people will look for a binary solution they'll go out and buy 59 different pillows because that seems to be the easy answer it's like if I just have the right pillow then all of a sudden it'll be better and of course those narratives get reinforced because maybe they go away for a weekend and they have a good night's sleep and they wake up feeling okay. So when they go back to their own life and they wake up with a stiff neck, you know, a number of mornings a week, oh, well, it, it must be the pillow. So, well, maybe it's a bit more to it than that. But as once we start getting people to understand that, you, know, you haven't slept wrong, bending and twisting is not bad. You know, can you see you can do all of these physically demanding, challenging things that do not put you in pain? So why would this relatively benign action put you in pain? you know, does it really make sense that your body would be that vulnerable? Uh, and once people start to go, okay, well, maybe there is a little bit more to it than meets the eye. And then we help them understand the mechanisms of the pain system and we help them understand how the health hexagon can influence all of that. So at least they can then go, okay, I now need to reconsider what my instinct tells me versus what I actually need to do in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, when people have pain flare-ups, sometimes they do need a little bit of support and help to treat that particular thing that their body has gone into defense, but we have to be very mindful to help them understand there's a bigger pattern at play. And once people start to um, get that, they actually feel really empowered by the fact that, okay, I've got this pain, but I can, I can negotiate with it and we can work with this together and it'll give me a better, um, uh, you know, a better sustainable future. And they stop fearing the pain. They actually, as much as it's inconvenient, they then have this little moment where they go, "Okay, you're trying to help me. Let's work with this."
1: So it's bringing you into conversation with your body,
0: for sure. Um, I, I was I was doing another talk recently, and, and somebody said, "So it, it does pain in, in certain circumstances, uh, does it just does it kind of speak up just to remind you your body exists?" And I think, well, actually, yeah, it, it often does. You know, I mean, there'll be many, many, many people out there today who will be sitting at their desk rubbing their neck or rubbing their back and, the, and they'll be blaming the, the posture of the chair or or they need a whatever, uh, you know, the screen height is wrong or whatever. And actually sometimes it's their body just saying, could you move please? You know what? Yes. We've, we've basically sat down for about 70 hours this week. Yeah. And, you know, could you just move me a little bit? Uh, and it's, it's, it's in some ways, certain types of pain systems or certain types of pain messaging, it's no different to being thirsty. You know, your, your body has to send you a signal to say, I need you to rehydrate. Uh, now, of course, if you end up not having enough fluids, then your body has to get louder. It has to, you know, it has to give you a bigger signal, whether that be a headache, whether it be a cramp, but it's got to give you a bigger signal because it's trying to grab your attention. The tricky thing for a lot of people is we can understand that about uh, hunger and thirst and, and those things, but people see pain as somehow... Um, not outside of themselves, but they see it as something that they have no influence over, that it randomly happens. Mm-hmm. And if you start to think, well, why would, why would you get a stiff neck sitting down? Well, maybe it's just because you've sat down too long. Now, of course, the narrative will be, but I've sat for 20 years and I never got neck pain. So, well, yeah, but maybe, maybe you're now reaching that threshold that your body says, you know, you, you used to be able to get away with this, but not anymore. So, I mean, that's a very simple, very yeah. you know, minor kind of minor uh, issue in the grand scheme of things. But the principles are true. The principles are the same. So if you have somebody who's had fractures, back operations, multiple traumas, you know, uh, severe injuries, when the, because it's such a disruption to their life and because it often can happen in very traumatic circumstances, you know, car accidents or, or, or things like that, that definitely weren't part of your plan because these things are often unexpected events. Then the pain system starts to actually uh, learn from the experience of the healing and that gets galvanized into your biology. And then when you are under threat in the future, So whether that be some sort of life stress or like uh, a work deadline or the kids are having difficulties in in their school relationship, whatever, and you are under some sort of um, threat response, let's say. That's why often your old pain system will flare up. It'll ignite again because it's been ingrained into your central nervous system as a memory of a traumatic event to protect you for the future. And this, again, people don't put the dots together. They don't put the, uh, uh, yeah, they don't put that pattern together that my back flaring up now. Um, around this traumatic event, you know, a bereavement in the family, financial crises, whatever, they just see it as completely unrelated and an inconvenience and another thing that they have to handle. And if we're able to go, actually, the reason your back has gone into defense mode is because you are under more pressure than you realize. So let's look at the things you can do to help with that. And we see it time and time and time again. People are driving themselves incredibly hard uh, they're dealing with many, many complex situations, and they 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 go until eventually the body forces them to stop, and that mm. can be your back's going into spasm. You end up not being able to go to work for two or three days because you're in that much pain. And that's your body's way of going: I've got to put the brakes on you, um, because we tried to give you every other signal, and you weren't willing to listen. Uh, so you know, pain is a a complex uh, um, system but it's a very helpful system once you know what you're looking for.
1: Yes. So it's a why, you know, that's what they, the description of mentor is a wise experienced person who's been there before. And that's what you've just described um, that your wise body is going slow down, slow down, or as you say, stop. What's your, go on.
0: No, no, well, it's, it's, um, it's a pay attention. I think is is key. it's not necessarily stop because, With the, um, if we think of our health hexagon, you know the six elements of our well-being, which I'm sure we'll cover. Uh, you know, typically what will happen is that one or more of your elements of your health, health hexagon is over um, stimulated or under stimulated. And when we have buffer zones, of course, we can, you know, like, for instance, you know, sleep is part of your health hexagon. And of course, we all understand that sleep is important. Of course, we all understand that, you know, everything is worse with a bad night's sleep and we're all a bit kind of cranky you know, everything else if we don't have a good night's sleep. And we can get away with that for a little while. You know, you can manage on a few bad night's sleep or whatever it is. But if, for instance, you are not looking after your sleep, Uh, because you fall into this kind of narrative with yourself that, oh, I only need four hours sleep. I said, well, is that really true? Because the biology doesn't really support that. You know, the evidence, the science doesn't really support that. And you might get away with it. You might function. You might perform. But sooner or later, when something else comes along that requires a little bit more resilience, robustness, you know, uh, and, and capacity, you don't have the capacity because your sleep element of your health hexagon is 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 not um, sufficient. Let's say, and that can be simple things like life is good, everything is wonderful. You're taking on loads of. Uh, projects you're stimulated by and fascinated by, and you don't mind putting the hours in because it's all very, um, you know, it's all very stimulating. But it means you're getting to bed later and later and later. You're getting up earlier, or you're trying to do the right things. You know, you're trying to get up to go to the gym early in the morning, and you think, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, on one level, it's a good thing. But if you're sacrificing quality sleep to get that session in the gym, and you're not, you know, getting to to sleep on time beforehand. Then sooner or later, your pain system has to kick in to go, this is not a sustainable formula. And therefore, once you start having those flare ups or you start having those reminders, at least you can start to check in with these elements of your health hexagon and kind of go, oh, yeah, you know what? I have been sloppy with my sleep. You know, I felt good. Life was good. I thought there was nothing wrong. I felt amazing. Life was amazing. And I just started to drift back into those habits of, I don't know, on my phone, in bed and i should have been asleep an hour ago but here i am kind of you know whatever checking news stories or emails or yeah. whatever yeah. so again it's not that you do one thing wrong one time and all of a sudden your pain gives you a big you know a big reminder it's like when it's unsustainable it steps up to grab your attention that can be something as simple as a headache it could be more intense like migraine uh, but it, it could also be that random bad back that goes but typically it means you're maybe under more pressure than you realize so let's consider what might be uh, unsustainable in your lifestyle that is giving you less resilience to cope with the things you're normally able to cope with
1: so sleep is one of your health hexagons what are the other five
0: so the six uh, the six elements of your health hexagon sleep diet exercise cognitive stimulus Uh, emotional insight and then the spiritual space which is where you get lost in the moment you know doing something that allows you or helps you to completely just relax and and get away from your normal day Uh, that I often see those things as things that calibrate you uh, or things that resonate for you and that typically in a lot of cases can be the one that a lot of people neglect Particularly the the kind of people I see, I see a lot of very high achieving people who run businesses who, you know, I, I, I live and work in Cambridge. So I see a lot of serious academics, uh, entrepreneurs, people who are used to pushing themselves, people who are used to uh, yeah, putting themselves under pressure and achieving. But the difficulty often is these are people who are. Um, racing at everything they do. They'll be the people who are looking to climb corporate ladders. They'll be the people who are looking to be perfectionists in their work. There are people who are in a, a race against other people who are, who are high achievers. And then they use their exercise as al- also another avenue to succeed in and achieve in. So their exercise can also become an unhealthy, um, an unhealthy pursuit, even though their mindset often is, well, if I work hard and exercise hard, I'm living this perfect life. I was like yeah, but if you're not if you're not getting adequate rest, if you're not because they're flying all over the world, uh, or they're up five o'clock in the morning to do a ten k run before they have their breakfast meeting at seven a.m. or something, uh, you know they can do it for a while, but eventually they 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 run out of uh, they run out of capacity for that. So that's why you often need those spiritual elements that will basically help you to just go okay, you know what I've done enough today. I have. tomorrow's another day and I don't have to get everything done on my to-do list today. I have, you know, I will actually say, you know, enough is enough. I've managed to succeed enough today. So I now need to put time aside for the other elements of, of the health hexagon. And at different stages in your life, you're often pushing different departments more. You know, when you're starting a business, you're very much in that cognitive space. You're very much in that kind of intellectual cognitive space, running the business. All of a sudden that thing grows where you're no longer the, I don't know, the software engineer or the scientist. You're now a CEO of -hmm. an organization and you need to know things about HR, and you need to know things about health and safety and you need to know things about governance, which weren't the things you got involved with in the first place. So very often we'll see people who are pushing themselves hard in the cognitive space. They're pushing themselves hard in the physical space because they understand exercise is important, but they make a competition out of that as well. Mm Uh, and they very, very often they'll have young families that they're trying to juggle at the same time. So there is the emotional space there. Mm. Uh, and again, you get away with it for a while, but what happens when a crisis comes along? What happens when a major customer lets you down? What happens when a member of staff isn't performing? You know, what happens when you bite off more than you can chew? And that's where we need to help people remind people, understand that we need to get enough, uh, balance in all of these departments To allow you to keep on moving forward. Uh, So very often people in many ways, because they're working hard, they're spending time with their family and they're training hard, they assume I've got this covered and -hmm. they can be successful. They can succeed, you know, they can be building and growing that business. So on the surface, it all looks, this is working fine. But sooner or later, because the body isn't being looked after sufficiently enough with sufficient sleep, sufficient uh, uh, dietary requirements uh, and that spiritual space, then sooner or later the wheels come off, you know? Uh, And it's our job to help them understand that, you know what, holidays is is good, you know? Uh, Doing a hobby is good. Getting your head out of that space is good. In fact, you need it, it's necessary. And the most successful people, they are the ones who have a healthy hexagon and they are the ones who seem to be, you know, floating through these crises or coping with these crises better than those who are buried in them and not actually spreading themselves around hexagon
1: wow thank you so what's your dream for your book
0: that's my dream for the book yeah um,
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, you
0: know, it's it's interesting with these things. So like, you know, you get this age to, to write the book and you, um, you know, so you go through that process and you, you know, you get the book and you, you know, you get it done. And sometimes you don't necessarily think beyond that point. Uh, so for me, the dream for the book is that people will start to change their opinion about pain. They'll start to see it as a, a positive thing rather than a negative thing. Again, this is about persistent pain. Uh, and although the target uh, originally was your persistent pain patient, actually, I want people not to become the patient. I want people who are living lives and actually considering hang on, this is what I'm aiming for. You know, I want to whatever, I want to succeed in my career, I want to pay off the mortgage, I want my kids to be this, that, and the other. Actually, I need to look after six elements of my life, not just three or four or whatever it is. And I need to negotiate with myself and those around me to be able to achieve that. So in many ways, what I want the book to do is to change people's narratives around pain, to actually help people look at a template for a healthy and sustainable lifestyle so that they don't become a patient. Uh, but if they, do, if they do have pain that isn't improving, uh, that's going beyond three months, and many, many times I'll see patients in pain for years uh, who've tried all the treatments, who've tried all the pills, who've tried the injections, who've tried the surgeries and things still aren't getting any better. Uh, then we want to say, okay, your pain is, is is trying to talk to you for a different reason. It's not because you have the wrong diagnosis. It's not because somebody has missed something. It's not because you are unique, you know, and that you have somehow bent and twisted at this you know, a bizarre angle that nobody in the history of the universe has ever done before. Uh, you, your system's trying to tell you something else. But when we see people who are in persistent pain for a long time, their lives have have often unraveled by the pain. So they're no longer the person they were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And they stop doing things that are good for them. And our job is to get them back doing the things that are good for them. But they're fearful of that because they have memories of those things causing pain. And we have to be able to say, well, how do we negotiate with that? How do we nudge that? So I want this book to help people who are in pain think differently about their pain. But I also want this book to help people who are everyone who is trying to juggle the complexities of life to not fear pain, but also to go be careful what you're aiming at and how you are aiming for it because your biology is being established by that lifestyle you live. And the lifestyle you live will be creating circuitry within your central nervous system that is going to be there. And if you keep playing the same narratives, you're going to come up with Uh, with the same um, negative solution sometimes. So let's not turn into the patient if possible. Uh, Because again, you know, you see so many people who are striving for this particular uh, goal, you know, sell a business and life will be perfect beyond that. Actually, it isn't. You know, I see so many people who have, uh, uh, you know, externally have been incredibly successful, you know, Olympic medals and world champions in this or CEOs of companies that floated on the stock exchange. And they assumed that when they reached that particular target, life would somehow be blissful. And actually it isn't uh, because they've often had to sacrifice many things about their health and wellbeing in order to achieve those goals. And when they got there, you know, they, were, they weren't satisfied uh, because they were aiming for the wrong thing. Not, a, not an unhelpful thing, but they were just thought that thing would make me, make me okay. So my job is with the book is to try and help people to go, Think of this template. There are stories about people like that in the book aiming for these things that said, you know what, if I had this information then that I know now, I'd have aimed at that, but in a different way.
1: Ah. Well, what a pleasure to talk to you, Kevin. And this is a book that I think coaches should read because I can't begin to tell you how many people... Drop in as an aside in a coaching conversation. Oh, my back's killing me today or I've got this again or this again. And I'm not sure that I pay as much attention to that piece of data as I do to the other data that comes into the room. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and coming... do, do listen out for that where people who, who, who have like that people have when their body is screaming at them? they're under way more pressure than they realize and that's as a coach you as a coach being able to go oh actually we can use this we can use this as a way of helping them uh recognize that and register that and the book gives insight into how that works why that works and what you can do about it
1: fantastic so the book is called pain the ultimate mentor by Kevin Hunt, and it's available from all good booksellers. Thank you, Kevin, Thank you, Kevin, for, for coming. Uh, nice and what a pleasure. I will now go away and do something quiet and meditative. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, get your hexagon in order, you know. it's it's um, it, it doesn't take, well, listen, at the end of the day, it's not that complicated, um, yeah. but you need to understand why you're doing certain things. And people very often are doing things they think that are healthy for them and they are healthy up to a point. But you go past that sweet spot and they become unhealthy. And therefore, if you start at least going, "Hmm, hang on, maybe I need a few more tools in my bag to help me cope with life than just a bottle of Prosecco in the gym, then maybe you might have a chance.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you for coming to the Coaching in. I'm Claire Pedrick and I've been talking to Kevin Hunt. Bye-bye, everyone.
0: If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.